That was Unbroken, recorded by Britney Spears, but not included on her seventh studio album, Femme Fatale, and we'll go into that in a bit. The song was written by today's guest, Lindy Robbins, and you're going to learn all about her and her music in this episode. Welcome. I am your host, James Rodriguez Horton, and this is The Original Doll. I chat with songwriters, producers, and more, and go behind the packaging of pop music. Take a moment and follow me on Insta, the.original.doll, or Twitter, at James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z, or visit theoriginaldoll.com. I also have a Patreon where I share exclusive content, patreon.com slash theoriginaldoll. I'm an independent Latino podcaster, so any support keeps this LGBT plus podcast going. And as with each episode, I create an Apple Music playlist so that you can download the songs we talk about in the episodes. So sit back, relax, as I present you with The Original Doll by Rodriguez. Don't you want my iconography? Don't you want to stand and follow me? Don't you want to aim for the stars we see? Don't you want my iconography? You know, welcome, first of all. I'm just super excited to talk to you. It's like I'm excited to talk to you. I love it. So what I did was I created this, this, you know, podcast as a kind of um a love letter to all things pop, Britney Spears, and songwriters. And I think a lot of people don't realize it takes a village. You know, these songs, it's more than just the face on the cover. It's okay. all of these other people. Of course, of course, yes. It, and so your name comes up because the Britney fans are always like, unbroken, unbroken. Are you going to talk to, to, and people would be like, Linda, Lindsay. They're like, no one would really know because they couldn't find the song. Well, it was never uh, actually released, but we can talk about that. I mean. Yeah, well, oh, it's so good. Well, and the fans, they have, they have like the low quality version of it. And so everyone has been like, this is amazing. And in this podcast, it's just been able to talk to songwriters about about their work there, but also every single person has touched these other artists. Like you and Jason Derulo are like this husband and wife thing. It's so funny. That, I mean, I just, I think it's just such a funny thing. I don't I, understand it. Like, you know, and, and we become friends over the years and he doesn't live far and I've gone over, you know, to write and all that. And, and um, you know, he's such a warm, he's such a, wonderful person but I just think it's just like this funny it's all just been by coincidence I mean it's never been anything but that like I don't know it's but it's so cool and like you are somebody who if people go through their cds if people go through this your name has been on everything from Demi Lovato you know Nick Lachey Joey McIntyre like all these people that it's just like or MK, you know, MKTO. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, and it's, and you know, not even like Hot Shell, right? Like, these are huge songs. And for me, it was mind boggling that I would see your name pop up and I go, I didn't know this songwriter is this diverse because in my mind, I was like, a songwriter, this was for the longest time. I'm like, a songwriter stays with an artist. That's it. You know what I mean? Oh, that's, that's so funny. Because I mean, usually you're not even in the room with them, you know? I mean, <laughs> sometimes, some of them, of course, there were times that I wasn't, have been in the room with them. But many times where, no, they just, they're 
pitch song from the a and person and they cut it with the producer and the songwriter's never even there. Well, and that was something where uh, when when I created the podcast, I said, okay, how can I do it? How can I give back with these, these podcasts? And so what I decided was I, I work with a nonprofit. And so whenever I have a guest on, anytime they answer any questions, an item gets donated to charity. How wonderful. So, so it's it's been awesome and I've been able to talk to and have Maya Marie on a few times. I've been able to have Casey Livingston, you know. And and the thing is it's like the songwriters are so loved by people and now social media is finally allowing us to really have a connection, to be able to say like thank you. So before I get everything started, I just want to say thank you to you because You've given personally me so many amazing songs that I could laugh to, cry to, get upbeat, dance to. Skyscraper is one of those songs that it's like roar, Katy Perry. It's one of those songs that like when you're feeling vulnerable and you need that that gentle, invisible hand to go, I got this, uh, you know, let me channel some energy for you. So I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for using your talents to help us heal and especially in the past year too it's your songs have definitely come in handy so thank you gosh thank you I mean thank you it's like I I do it because I love it and you know knowing that people are out there listening and that it means something or that that's everything to me so do you have to make me feel like there's nothing left of me you can take everything I have You can break everything I am Like I'm made of glass Like I'm made of paper Demi Lovato, Skyscraper, I keep going back to that because I think it's one of those, it's such a generationless song that it's not, it doesn't feel like it was meant for this this age group or anything or or identity or any of that so it's been amazing so from all the people I know when I started telling a couple of people who I was like you know interviewing they were just like <gasps> they're like Chris Allen she did a song with Chris Allen I'm like what and it's all this stuff all <laughs> over the place so I'm like I've always been obsessed with Britney's ballads and mid-tempos. Um, one of my favorite unreleased songs of Britney's was Unbroken. I think it's so amazing. When I first heard it, I was like, oh my gosh. I really couldn't believe they didn't keep it on um, Femme Fatale. It's so beautiful. I love the lyrics and the melody. And yeah, I remember being like kind of upset <laughs> that they didn't put it on the album. That was Recording Artist and background vocalist and frequent guest of the original doll, Maya Marie. Maya Marie's voice can be heard on the background vocals for Unbroken, and she, as a fan, just like the rest of us, was kind of bummed out when Unbroken didn't make it on Femme Fatale. But what I realized in talking with many of the songwriters, some of those chats you've heard, some are coming up, is there was a definite distinct decision to not put Britney Spears' vulnerable songs on Femme Fatale. 
She didn't want to appear vulnerable. And we go into that with a few of the songwriters, so be on the lookout for that. But it's interesting to note that many of these demos and many of the songs written for Femme Fatale that didn't make it, several of those would have put Britney Spears in a more vulnerable light, which we as fans love it, but maybe not for the project that is brought to you by Dr. Luke and Max Martin, and simply called Femme Fatale. So what I want to do is kind of talk to you about, first of all, like Unbroken, because uh, that's a huge, Maya Marie even said in, in an interview I did with her, she said that was one of the her favorite songs she's ever done backup for, that she just, she's like, I wish it was on the album and the fans wish it was on the album. That song is on different YouTube pages, all this, like people are just sharing it and when you go through the comments, they're like, why wasn't this, first of all, why wasn't this on the album? Second of all, why was this a single? So Lindy, go ahead and tell us like from the beginning of how this came to be. I mean, honestly, it's so frustrating because the only thing I have control with for me, because I'm just a songwriter working with the producer. I worked with the producer, Fraser T. Smith. We wrote this song with Britney in mind. I can't, God, I'm terrible at this because I can't remember the exact specifics, but I believe he was meant to be in with her and needed some songs for her. Um, and I think we wrote a couple of them and he, I wasn't even there. He went in the studio, she cut the song. And um, then I think, yeah, the, Maya did backgrounds to it. And, but I mean, I, unfortunately, as a songwriter, we have so little control, like, completely so disappointed and shocked that they didn't use it. I don't know why they, the, but you know, the record label, we literally were kind of like the bottom of the heap. Like I have no power. I mean, maybe there are songwriters up there that are so powerful that they can go in and be like, you have to do this song or make a deal in advance. But most of us, we just do the best job that we can. And then it's up to the artists, it's up to the label, the producers. I, I wish I had more of a story for you. I mean, I wasn't there when she did her vocals. I wanted to come, but I think I was told, no, she really just likes to be there. You know, she just like a lot of people in the room. Um, I, I didn't get to meet her. I really wanted to meet her. And I'm trying to remember, because this was a few years ago now, maybe 10 years ago. Ten year, Yep, 10 years ago. And I've been able to, uh, Casey Livingston or Cassia Livingston, I, I refer to her Cassia because like we've, we've had numerous conversations. And she's like, whatever you want to call me, it's fine. And and she was talking about her experience of working with Fraser with Scary. And it, and it was around the same calls. time. I think it was the yep. same time. I think it was for the same album. And I think she had one that ended up like on a Japanese. And I was like, God, please just. It yep, this one. Yeah. And it <laughs> the didn't Japanese end up edition. on anything. And I was so disappointed because, again, I thought, like, God, this song is so hooky and it sounds great. And then it leaked, which normally is really terrible for the songwriter. I will tell people out there that when you leak a song now they have ways to get it off the internet but you know we can't like for instance and in this case I'm happy with what happened well, I'll tell you but most cases like somebody will leak a song and then nobody it's untouchable so you never get paid and it's out there in the world which means you can't you know maybe Unbroken would have gone for like an Asian girls group or like another artist but it did leak but we just decided just to let it go because it had so many fans that loved it so much 
Um, and we were just like, we're just going to let this go. And if you look at my discography, it does say Britney Spears, Unbroken, because even though it wasn't released, it's out there in a big way. People are so careful about sending things. I know now, yeah, remember yeah. 10 years ago, we didn't have the same, you know, safety things of like now there's these file sharing and there's ways to do stuff very safely. But back then, I think everybody was scared to send anything. Somehow it still leaked. I don't know how it ended up leaking. And um, he told me the session went really well with her. It was short. And then that was it. Like, I don't know what, what happened. It just was one of the big disappointments, actually, because I lo- I'm a Britney fan, too, and I really, really wanted that to happen. It was a big disappointment. Well, and the thing is, you know, talking to Casey and, and talking with some other songwriters and everything who have worked on Britney, Britney songs, they're just like, you know, no matter what, it's still Britney covering your song. This is like an, an icon. And you and, and, and Casey, like being able to have Britney do a mid-temper or a ballad or any, like, that's a huge deal because pop records don't have... 10 ballads on, you know, it's not like the Adele type of situation. And a lot of the songwriters have been kind enough to like share with me some of the, some of the snippets. Cause they're like, this is the way it started. I'm like, it's so cool. Cause it's, you see the evolution. And the thing is I've, so many, so many of the listeners are like, oh, you should leak this. I'm like, nope, because I respect the artist too much to do that because to your point, once the product is out there, it's like this untouchable and not in a bad, like not in a good way. They're just like, no one can make money off of it. It's they're, they're taking it. They're yeah, doing whatever they want. This is our livelihood. But like I said, in this case, you know, I think we actually did make a little money because there were so many, like it got used so much. Like there were so many uh, streams. And then I was just excited. Like I said, I've always wanted a Britney cut. Okay. This is my Britney cut. It's not released. It wasn't done officially, but in my mind, she did my song and it it's out there and her fans have heard it. So I'm happy. I wish it so could have been properly mixed. I wish it could have been, you know, released as at least in the album and maybe it would have been a single and who knows, you know, sometimes it's so political and at the time, you know, I've never been great at playing the game or being like, I mean, I don't even know what to do. You have to take the song or, you know, <laughs> I've heard, I won't even tell you like this other albums that I was promised singles on. And then some really big name writer would go in and be like, we'll only, you know, give this song of its guaranteed single. And then they kick my single off and then their song doesn't even do anything. And it's not right. It's not right. But then I feel so grateful because I've had so many instances. I mean, you know, stories like Incomplete, my first big hit with the Backstreet Boys. wanted to jump in to give a little bit of information on Incomplete. 
Now, this was added on to Backstreet Boys' 2005 album, Never Gone. Now, the big deal about this was this was the album and ultimately the single that was the comeback after their two-year hiatus. Uh, this was their reunion, if you will. And it did pretty well. It was in the top 20 on Billboard Hot 100, and it sold over half a million copies in the U.S. So, not too shabby. You know, stories like Incomplete, my first big hit with the Backstreet Boys, that was a sort of an accidental single, which, I mean, to my best recollection, the label did, it was three unknown people. It was myself, Jess Kate, Stan Makala. He was an unknown producer. We were unknown at the time. This was my first, like, radio hit. And they wanted, you know, tried and true entities. They wanted Max, they wanted all these things. And I think somehow a radio station, I don't know if this is true, by the way, so don't 100% quote me, but from what I was told, either they wanted it and they played it, but somehow they played it and it just went crazy and it just became first single, despite itself. And it, you know, it changed my life. And, um, you know, that's happened a couple of times to me. Want to want me, I mean, want to want me. That's so good. It wasn't almost, it New York girl or what was it? It was, Oh my God. Chase, yes. Chris Brown. And uh, I can't believe you know that. I, pro- I think originally it was written. It was just, you know, I went, I used to go to a writing camp, a, a little camp that just the friends put on. It was myself, Mitch Allen, Ian Kirkpatrick, Julia Michaels, um, and Sam Martin, Sean Douglas came and Sean Douglas. I think it was just, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody here. And, um, and Jason Evigan. I knew I was forgetting somebody really important. And we would just rent like a house. We rented a house in Lake Arrowhead. We ended up doing like seven or eight of them and some really great songs came out of it. And we were working on that song. And the first lyric I had was girl from New York City. I got a girl in New York City. And, they, and we had to go because Ian was like meeting this girl. He had to go meet this girl, which is what this song was like, kind of like based on. And, then he, and they basically said, that's a terrible lyric. And I was like, I really like it. They're like, it's terrible. Wanted to hop in for a moment and let you know that uh, to hear some exclusive content for some Chris Brown and Jason Derulo demos, I'm going to be talking about them on my Patreon, patreon.com slash the original doll for the radar tier and above. I'm going to go ahead and break down some of those demos, including a Chris Brown demo uh, that was pitched to Britney Spears during a writing session for Circus. So be on the lookout for that. Once again, that starts at the radar level. Enjoy. So we got back in LA and like, then I remember when I came to want to want me and I thought that's so simple. They're like, yes, that's it. And then we just kept working on it. And then Jason came in, Derulo, and you know, he derulifies things, um, you know, on a lot he's of- He's so stuff. good. He's such he a is great so good. And if there's something he loves, he'll go in and he'll just twist things 
to where it feels really good to him. But that was, and then Chris Brown wanted it and it was, you know, it was a wasn't whole- there a wasn't there like a helicopter going to pick like up a song how or something like that? Where did you hear this? It's funny. Yes, I think I've we- done I've done my research of everything about I could tell you like, you know, the radio station, it was like oh people from the God. label were like push incomplete out to see what happens because you have nothing to lose. And it picked up steam from there. Oh, so maybe so. I'm wrong about what, like, because I never, nobody ever tells me anything. Because, you know, which is fine. That's just the way that it is. It's like, um, but that's so funny. Yes, they really, really wanted for Chris Brown. And they were like, we'll send a helicopter to fly you guys to somewhere to rewrite it. But we really wanted it for for Jason, for Derulo. And um, we were not, you know, swayed. But then I think at one point it was going to be another song is for single that features Stevie Wonder. Um, it might have been. I'm God. I'm I'm so bad at remembering what it was. It wasn't our song. It was a different song, and and he was going to do it on the Grammys with with Stevie Wonder. But then Stevie Wonder had to cancel or something, and so then they went with Watch Me. Because sometimes oh, I've had songs wow. that were supposed to be first single, and then they said it's going to be second single, and then it ends up never being a single. Because I think you really even thought it was a little pop for him at the time. Maybe probably. But yep. then it ended up, you know, being massive. And and look, he had just had another massive pop hit. Like, he's amazing. I'm so happy for him. And he sings like, you know, can't believe how he sings. Well, and so how do you then, how do you go from, because you've worked with, you know, male recording artists, female recording artists, girls generation, you've worked with groups. Do you take songwriting a different way when an artist in mind that is a solo female artist than a group artist do you know what I mean do you does your storytelling change it usually usually like with this instance we didn't have anybody in mind we were just like trying to write great songs and I mean Sam Martin and Ian Kirkpatrick both have the highest I mean Sam Martin you've heard his voice I'm sure and he ended up featuring on a song Dangerous that we did later where we were in five was supposed to do it and then they ended up keeping Sam I didn't know that part yes they actually actually recorded it on time But but nobody could sing it like that. I don't know. There was some some stuff that happened that I don't know all the political stuff. But I mean, he's one of the best singers in the world. So he we we would just write. We would very rarely at those writing camps. They were just about like writing great songs and having fun. Whereas there have been occasions. They're like skyscraper. I mean, skyscraper. Like a made of glass Like a made of paper Go on and try to tear me down I will be rising from the ground Like a skyscraper I really think it was meant for Demi. Like, but I mean, originally it was written with Curly, Toby Gad and I, yep. Curly, in New York, and it was for Curly. Scars are crying, I am watching, catching teardrops in my hands. Only silence as it's ending. 
And then she, she, it was going to be her record. And then she got dropped from the label. And then um, Jordan Sparks cut it. Skies are crying. I am watching. Catching teardrops in my eyes. Only silence as it's ending. Like we never had a chance. Do you have to? Make me feel like there's nothing left of me. You can take everything I have. You can break everything I am. Like I'm made of glass. Like I'm made of paper. Jordan, do you know, see, I'm telling you things you don't know because Jordan, who we were working with on a bunch of stuff, is actually on the background of the Demi version. Try to tear me down, rising from the ground. You can take everything I have. You can break everything I am Like I'm made of glass Like I'm made of paper And she's a doll. And we did a bunch of stuff together, but for some reason it didn't connect. So um, later when Demi did it, they actually kept Jordan's, I'm 99.9% .9 sure, backgrounds. And then when it finally went to Demi, at first I was like, because it was before she went into rehab and before all this stuff. And she was like, the Disney mm -hmm. been, here we go again. And different songs for her and then I was like Demi but then when I saw the video and heard what happened I was like oh my god like this this chills up and down my tears and I said it was always meant for her it was always meant for her. but it went on a journey and um so usually for me it's very rare that we'll be like okay we're gonna write this song for girls generation I mean that was like we just wrote this song in a room and then it ended up I'm just trying to think like sometimes I have to like look at my songs like and, and try to think of which, I mean, I know like with Selena, some of the songs, yeah, were with her in mind and some of them just happened and then she cut. Um, here we go. Yeah, I, I don't know. You'll have to ask. Well, and that's, well, and, and the thing is, that's something where it's, you know, skyscraper and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't she even think about going back and re-recording the vocals or maybe she didn't, she decided to keep I the early vocals? No, I, I don't know for sure because I'm very rarely there when the artist does, does the recording. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd like to be more, but usually that's really a producer's thing or many top planners, which I'm a top planner, they produce the vocals. 
I'm just love writing the song. I mean, I can produce the vocals, but I feel like it's like I could figure out a chord chords on piano if I had to. But why should I do that when there's like some of the best musicians in the world that I get to work with? Um, mm -hmm. So what I excel at are lyric and melody. So I let them, the people that really, really, really know what they're doing, do what they do. And Toby Gad, who's, you know, been still writing with, recorded her vocals. And so um, it was, so, you know, yeah. How do you, how do you do that with, with when you do have an artist in mind or, you know, because you, you know, having worked the Disney route and there's a different style. I think it's like, you know, you can kind of just really have fun with it. Cause I feel like sometimes in those songs, they're so like, when I think about, uh, it was big time rush. When I think about the, these, these songs that it just, they make me happy. And I feel like they don't try to be so precious I mean, definitely, I'm sure, and I can't remember every song, but there are plenty of instances where we're like, okay, Big Time Rush is looking, or this, you know, I think for Big Time Rush, we did really try to write for them specifically. I know sometimes we wrote with them, but I don't think that those were the songs that ended up being recorded. I mean, MKTO is an interesting story because I written for a few years exclusively with Eman, Emmanuel Kiriakou and Evan Bogart. We just had this run with It Girl being one of the first ones. And um, we had this song classic. And we just knew it was like such a big song. And then Eman and Evan developed the group to release the song and it That's ended up awesome. this amazing group. And again, I could so have been good. part of the record label and all that. And I just never wanted to, maybe I'm foolish, but I never have been interested in being on that side or starting a label. I mean, the closest I came is when, you know, I, my friend Jolene Bell is the first person who really discovered Julia Michaels, but then I heard her, she was working with, I heard her sing five words and I just knew, I just knew. And so I started working with her and I got her all of her first cuts and everything, but not just because, oh, awesome. not because I wanted anything or because I was going to, you know, it just happened. Like, I just knew, I think that's what's maybe kept me relevant. It's like Kirkpatrick when he was first starting, Eman, one of the, the first hit Eman ever had was what's left of me when I had Incomplete and Teresa LaBarbera Whites, who was the A&R um, of the label, Backstreet Boys, she was A&R Nick. And she said, who do you want to work with Nick with? And I was like, I really love this new guy, Eman. She's like, okay, let's do it. And Jess Cates, I had been working, he had been one of my first partners, Jess Cates. And Nick came over and we wrote What's Left of Me. And that was Eman's first hit. So working That's amazing. with and Julia and I had like a lot of releases together. And Ian, when we first started with what's that, you know, I think, I think once one was Ian's first big thing. And now he's like a superstar producer. You know, Jason Evigan is a superstar. Sean Douglas is a superstar, but we would just go like rent this like house where like, you know, we were like the guys would, we would go to the supermarket and get food and like Mitch and Jason would do all the cooking. Like we didn't eat the last time we did it was a few years ago. We actually got it like a cook, but like literally we would just, nobody else would come. We just make our own food and they'd be like making loud beats. And Julie and I we were the only two girls for all, you know, and, and it was just amazing. 
see this these are the stories that i love that like when i i love hearing about when songwriters are champions of other songwriters that it really becomes a collaborative like old school theater troupe like if even if you don't get the cut hey i'm happy that they got the cut oh if i don't get and, the cut i'm so happy when one of my friends got the cuts and I'm happy for them. And I feel like there's enough to go around. I've had enough of a career that I feel like, like at this point, I'm still like working really hard. Like I was in with, you know, I'm in with new people all the time and I'm discovering new people all the time. What's interesting about the pandemic, which has not been fun, hopefully ending soon, feels like we're definitely mm -hmm. light at the end of the tunnel. But um, is, you know, I used to make quite a few trips to, I used to go to Europe at least two, three times a year to London, different parts of Scandinavia, Nashville, New York, where, you know, there's, I think actually, I'm pretty sure that Britney cut Unbroken, God, was it, I feel like I was in London. I really do. I feel like it was in London. Fraser was in London, but maybe he was here. I'm terrible with remembering these things. Um, but I did that so much. And now I'm doing all these Zoom sessions with people all over the world. Like I'll have a session the other day. One person's in Norway, one person's in London, or one person's in Amsterdam and somebody's in Nashville. I mean, it's crazy. So it's kind of opening up the whole world, which I forget what the point of that was. But um, <laughs> oh, yes, I still, I'm still, I feel very, very, extremely grateful and fortunate. Obviously I've been doing this over 20 years and I've had a lot of success. So I'm not doing it. I'm, st I still work so hard and I'm still so driven, not because I need to, or out of any sort of desperation of, they have to pick my song or I just still, it's what I do. Like somebody's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, cause it's what I do. I still hear abilities and ideas and stuff all the time. Like I, I still love doing it. Um, you know, and I know what is comfortable for me as far as like, I'm not a person who's going to go and do the studio when there's like eight people, but there's certain situations I'm not comfortable. I love to just kind of, but everything is different. Sometimes we do start with the track. Um, oftentimes for me, it's like on an instrument and we start singing melodies, lyrics, and it happens like that. That was what I was wondering about like Unbroken with Fraser, because I know that um, Heather Bright talked about it and, and Casey Livingston, that it's like he sometimes had, here's a bunch of stuff. See if there's I anything that, that like triggers you. Better, but I think he did have track, and I think that I just started hearing the melody, and I'm pretty sure he did hear some melodies as well. And those lyrics came, and we just organically wrote it together in the studio. Taking a little intermission right now, we have more with Unbroken and deep diving into the lyrics. So be on the lookout for part two of this episode. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll, and on Patreon, patreon.com dash the original doll, or Twitter, at James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. Now, you'll be listening to part two in probably within the next 24 hours, so enjoy. Don't forget to subscribe and like and tell others about this. Thanks. See you on the flip side. Don't you want my iconography? Don't you want to stand and then follow me? Don't you want to aim for the stars you see? Don't you want my iconography? Special shout out to Steve Woller. Thank you so much, Steve.